Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Minutia Ex Machina. I'm here this week with a monologue instead of any conversation. Ludwig Wittgenstein begins his blue book, What is the Meaning of a Word? Let us take for a more specific angle, What is the Meaning of a Name? A few minutes ago, we were introduced to Ava. Ava, from the Latin avis, for bird, from the Germanic aval, for guarantee, or more obviously a variation on Eve, the first woman. Ava is not Nathan's first android. We will see in minute 71 that Ava is the seventh of Nathan's androids, but I will get to the names of the others in a moment. Eve is life, living, coming from Hebrew, chava, to breathe, to give life. Since in passing, it has been mentioned that Caleb and Nathan also get their names from the Bible, details follow. Caleb is a spy sent by Moses in Numbers 13 on a recon mission to Canaan to see if they should take it over. Here, Caleb is not a spy, except possibly in that he may also be an android who does not even know he is such a spy, playing at a human component in Nathan's Turing test. He knows, or he doesn't know, who he is and why he has been chosen for this task. The result is the same. Additionally, hearkening back to the Titian painting described in minute 12, Caleb means dog. In Titian's allegory of prudence, the dog corresponds with the young man, and may correspond with sins such as lust, vanity, fraud, and envy. The dog, like Caleb, has a future, but also because of its naivete, may act rashly because it doesn't know better. In hubristic manipulation and Caliban resistance in Ex Machina, Psychology and Education 2021, Muhammad, Metwali, Zaid, and Thibet connect Caleb to Shakespeare's Caliban from The Tempest, which would make Ava Miranda and Nathan Prospero. When you taught me language and my profitantes, I know how to curse the Red Plague, rage you for learning me your language. Caleb's surname is the oft-generic Smith, from the Old English smid, to hit, to strike. Nathan is an Old Testament prophet. 2 Samuel 7, God tells Nathan to instruct King David to build the temple. Additionally, God tells Nathan, He shall build an house for my name and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, indicating the birth of Jesus in the future of David's bloodline. Additionally, it is Nathan in 2 Samuel 12 who confronts David about his arranging the death of Uriah and his affair with Bathsheba. Here, of course, it is Nathan who has established his own kingdom, named as it is for Wittgenstein's Blue Book, which asks, among many other philosophical questions, if a machine can think. And if this story we are watching ends well, it doesn't, then his throne would be established forever. Nathan's surname is Bateman, which may originate from Boatman, or reference Bartholomew, a farmer. Before we come to the specific content of Minute 17, a quick rundown of Nathan's other creation's names. Amber, meaning fierce but also the ancient Greek name for Amber was Electron, coming from the sun. Electron was the tears of Phaeton's sisters when he was killed. Amber is the fossilized resin of pine trees that, in pop culture especially, freezes the past, traps it like the mosquitoes in Jurassic Park, and keeps it. Notably, years before the name became popular, Amber was the titular character in Kathleen Windsor's Forever Amber. A sample passage. Quote, They had stopped now, and he gave a glance up at the sky through the trees, as though to see how much time was left. Amber 
watching him, was suddenly struck with panic. Now he was going, out again into that great world with its bustle and noise and excitement, and she must stay here. She had a terrible new feeling of loneliness, as if she stood in some solitary corner at a party where she was the only stranger. Those places he had seen, she would never see. Those fine things he had done, she would never do. But worst of all, she would never see him again. End quote. Lily means purity and innocence. In the Bible, lilies are the usual flower translation for Jesus' line about material needs. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Katja is also pure and perfect. A diminutive of Ekaterina, Catherine. St. Catherine of Alexandria, after vision of the Virgin Mary and child Jesus, went to the Emperor Maxentius to rebuke him for persecuting Christians. She debated fifty of his philosophers successfully, but was imprisoned and tortured. A dove came to feed her daily, and angels tended to her wounds. Jasmine, a Persian name meaning gift from God, also of course a plant. Jade, a mineral mostly known for its green varieties. In cultures around the world, jade has been used for fine objects, including those used in ritual. The English word comes by way of the French le jade from the Latin ilius for severe colic. Additionally, jade as a variant of jade from the Old Norse yalda can refer to a cart horse, a mare, a whore. Kyoko, a Japanese name with several meanings depending on how it is written. It may be respectful of the city of today, apricot, mirror, or echo. Technically, by the way, Unless Caleb is also artificial, there is no android in the film. Because all seven of Nathan's robots are feminine in design, they should be termed gynoids, not androids. To be fair, I don't believe anyone uses the term android within the film. But what is the meaning of a word? Wittgenstein separated out thinking from being an internal process. And I have trouble with philosophy when it comes to theorizing, as it often does, as if humans are inherently special. Stephen Gambardella in explaining Wittgenstein in The Sophist, 7th December 2019, summarizes John Searle's Chinese Room Thought Experiment. Gambardella writes, A non-Chinese speaker in a room with instructions on how to read and write Chinese characters would be able to converse with Chinese speakers outside by exchanging messages with them. He could convince them that he can understand Chinese by following the rules to write his responses. But the man is not really understanding the language. He is simulating understanding. And I must interrupt because... I don't know enough philosophy to readily explain my problem here in anything but the most basic terms. As I have argued repeatedly in this show that it does not matter if Caleb is also artificial intelligence, because the end results are the same, he remains naive, with few people in his life, no parents, no girlfriend, and he seeks approval from Nathan, seeks to be Ava's white knight regardless of whether his programming came from his childhood and from outside sources, like popular culture, of which his character is now a part for the rest of us, or came from code entered into a computer by Nathan. The line between understanding and simulating understanding is blurred by a question of complexity. And the notion that computer programming can never, in any absolutist sense, be as complex as the human brain feels to me naive and short-sighted. The possibility thereof, that is. It is certainly possible that humanity will destroy itself through its own lack of mutual understanding before it manages to create AI, even as complex as Ava is here. Back to Gambardella. Language needs interlocutors who could be cognizant of the changing rules of the game. A rule-following machine would simply not keep up. 
This is not a matter of complexity that technology will one day catch up with. It's a matter of language being organic to our form of life, and thus out of reach of any computation. <laughs> I spoke too soon, I guess. Except that last statement there from Gambardella presumes a great deal. Already I have a problem in that this line of argumentation presumes that we agree that Wittgenstein's take on intelligence is absolutely true, that language can only be organic. But then Gambardella immediately slides into a true Scotsman fallacy. Computational power may well catch up with the human brain, but it's not the brain that is behind human intelligence. Human intelligence springs from the language that connects our brains. End quote. And I am troubled. By this approach, but also by my own lack of knowledge in regards to the philosophical debates as they exist. Cards on the table. I am not here to give a thorough literature review, but to offer angles worth considering in regards to explicating this film in one-minute chunks. To quote Phil Connors in the musical of Groundhog Day, And I know that you think I am shallow, But if you knew how deep my shallowness goes, you'd be shocked. So shift directions. Not the rules of language broadly, but the rules of filmic language. The rules of screenplay structure. And now philosophical discussion is getting in the way even of this. If you want to write a good screenplay, there are rules that you probably should follow. Just as if you want to write a good sentence or paragraph, there are rules that you should probably follow. One such rule in regards to screenplay structure involves the inciting incident, the equivalent to the call to adventure in a hero's journey, though sometimes people explaining these rules separate these events. The inciting incident is the point at which our lead character's future, which felt set, becomes open to more possibility often found roughly halfway through what we'd call the first act. This moment may fall in a script somewhere around page 17. Or as film often translates at roughly one minute per page, in a film this will fall somewhere around minute 17. By this point, we should be invested, even if we might not quite be able to predict where the story will be going thereafter. It is not precise, but it is consistent. As minute 17 begins, Caleb has just told Nathan that he is impressed by Ava. But he adds now, and although, Nathan resituates himself where he is sitting. Nathan, although, <laughs> he laughs and sits back against the concrete wall again. I thought briefly that the paperback on the top of the stack of books to Nathan's right was a printing of Wittgenstein's The Blue and Brown Books, but it is hard to confirm a book that has had as many printings as that one from just its binding. The angle we have on its front cover is too sharp to be sure if the vague shape at its center is the profile image of Wittgenstein that graces many printings. Nathan continues. There's, There's a, a qualification, qualification to you being impressed. impressed. He takes a drink from his beer as we cut to Caleb. Caleb. No, no there's, there's no, no qualification, qualification to her. Uh, it's, it's just in the Turing test. test. The machine should be hidden from the examiner. Alan Turing begins his essay, Computing Machinery and Intelligence. Quote, I propose to consider the question, can machines think? This should begin with definitions of the meaning of the terms machine and think. The definitions might be framed so as to reflect so far as possible the normal use of the words, but this attitude is dangerous. If the meaning of the words machine and think are to be found by examining how they are commonly used, it is difficult to escape the conclusion that the meaning and the answer to the question, can machines think, is to be sought in a statistical survey such as a Gallup poll. But this is absurd. End quote. He instead offers up the imitation game and the new question, are there imaginable digital computers which would do well in the imitation game? And I find myself looking at Searle's original Chinese room, particularly this phrasing, quote, 
It seems to me quite obvious in the example that I do not understand a word of the Chinese stories. I have inputs and outputs that are indistinguishable from those of the native Chinese speaker, and I can have any formal program you like, but I still understand nothing. End quote. It seems to me that indistinguishable is carrying a lot of weight that suggests that Searle's own conclusion about understanding is reliant specifically and explicitly on the notion of defining one's own understanding. But if, per Wittgenstein, thought is not an activity that takes place wholly within the mind, the brain, then what usefulness is there for solipsistically defining understanding in the first person? If your output is indistinguishable from someone who understands the inputs better, and I am someone listening to said output, my observation and experience is what matters in regards to your understanding. You understand the inputs as well as I can ascertain. If your outputs are the same as someone who supposedly has more... <sighs> hmm. And my own understanding of the language of philosophy is likely making my explanations feel inherently lacking. At least to philosophers and students of philosophy. <sighs> Except, this is philosophy. And I don't care to be necessarily obtuse with my explanations. If you can speak Chinese fluently enough, then you do understand it. To argue otherwise is a semantic debate about wording, but words are only as useful as they are understood. If Ava can express herself as a human woman would in the same circumstance, kept in Nathan's basement with no inputs but what he has offered her, then she is, by my use of the term, as human as that other woman. Searle offers a counterexample in which he answers questions in English, which he understands because he is a native speaker of it. But the sheer number of people who definitely speak English but lack understanding of a lot of it implies to me that the cases are the same, and the only measure that matters in a test, as we have in the film, is one that comes from the outside. Once Ava has made it to the city at the end of the film, will it matter if she has machine parts or organically grown parts? Or is what matters whether or not she can pass for human and continue to survive? Nathan. No, 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 no we're way past, past that. that. If, if I, I hid Ava, Ava from, from you, you, so you just heard her voice, voice, she would pass for human. The, the real test is to show you that she's a robot, and, and see if you still feel she has consciousness. What is the meaning of a word indeed? Is this film measuring intelligence, consciousness, sentience? As I've referenced in recent episodes, check with any pet owner. See how much they might converse with their pets as if understanding were implicit. Or maybe I'm just more far gone than others. I mean, I thank Siri. And I assume that when our robot overlords take over, I might have some special dispensation because of that politeness. Then again, I just said that in this public platform, and my Siri will surely be able to access this recording. Caleb nods. Caleb. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, think I think you're, you're probably, probably right. right. And we get a new angle on Nathan. Close, shoulders to nearly the top of his head from his left. He laughs, raises his eyebrows, nods. And we return to Caleb. He steps away from the window now, walks along the glass to the right. Caleb. Her language abilities. They're incredible. The system is... He sits now and finishes the sentence. Stochastic, right? Stochastic. Randomly determined. Having a random probability distribution or pattern that may be analyzed statistically, but may not be predicted precisely. As Nathan stares blankly toward where Caleb just was, let us return to Turing who suggests a random element. He writes, quote, It is probably wise to include a random element in a learning machine. A random element is rather useful when we are searching for a solution of some problem. Suppose, for instance, we wanted to find a number between 50 and 200 which was equal to the square of the sum of its digits. 
we might start at 51, then try 52, and go on until we got a number that worked. Alternatively, we might choose numbers at random until we got a good one. This method has the advantage that it is unnecessary to keep track of the values that have been tried, but the disadvantage that one may try the same one twice. But this is not very important if there are several solutions. The systematic method has the disadvantage that there may be an enormous block without any solutions in the region which has to be investigated first. Now the learning process may be regarded as a search for a form of behavior which will satisfy the teacher or some other criterion. Since there is probably a very large number of satisfactory solutions, the random method seems to be better than the systematic. End quote. Caleb elaborates on his own descriptor and guesses it more. He says, It's not deterministic. From Nathan's blank and seemingly annoyed, if not angry, stare, we return to Caleb. At first I thought she was mapping from internal semantic form to syntactic tree structure and then getting linearized words, but then I started to realize. And we're back to Nathan, staring. The model is some kind of hybrid. Nathan closes his eyes, opens them, and turns to where Caleb now sits. The details of how Ava works is not the point, of course. Nathan. Caleb. Back to Caleb. Beat. Caleb. No? Back to Nathan. Nathan. I understand that you want me to explain how Ava works, but I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to do that. Back to Caleb. Caleb. Try me. I'm hot on high-level abstraction. Caleb seems quite satisfied with this pronouncement, but we return to Nathan. Nathan. It's not because I think you're too dumb. And the minute ends. But no, it is not that Caleb won't understand, and I use that word deliberately, Ava's programming. The point is that the programming details only matter if one is studying programming. The point of the Turing test is not to measure the details of the programming, but the results. The outputs are what matter. And before I head out for today, I would point out that Caleb, Nathan, they are no more human than Ava, simply because they are all fictional constructs in a story that will not always hold up to scrutiny. But research into parasocial relationships, how we relate to fictional characters, that is, suggests that the feelings can be just as real and valid as with real-world relationships. So rather than the Turing test within the context of the film, perhaps our question should be, is Ava as well-drawn a character as Caleb or Nathan? Thank you for listening. Minutia Ex Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more Ex Machina every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. You can follow all three shows in one feed now as well. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at xmanusha, on Instagram at minutia underscore x underscore machina, or Facebook at minutia x machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.